Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. Welcome to Purpose Driven Sobriety. For listening to the Purpose Driven Sobriety podcast. My name is Christine and I'm an alcoholic. Um, today, I don't necessarily have a sponsor for today's show, but I do have um, I do have art that I do. I have on on the show today, Miss Heather G. And and I'm so I'm so grateful that you're here. But there is a if if you go to the Facebook page Path of Jewels, P-A-T-H of Jewels. And read the story of how it all um, started in 2018. It's just a beautiful Hallmark-type story um, where God stepped in and yet again saved me from myself. And so I do, I do memorial pieces when someone passes away. Like if your grandmother passed away and she had a bunch of costume jewelry and fun stuff like that, I could take it and make art with it. And so um, on occasion, I'll get a wild hair and just make something just because. And so I'll, if I sell that, then I put that money towards this podcast because this podcast is a nonprofit. So um, it's, you know, it's on donations and however I get the money. Um, so anyway, if you get a chance, if nothing else, read the story. The story was actually posted in the guidepost. Which is a, a yeah, 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 yeah. It was in their it was in the in their Christmas edition. So I was really, really pleased to see that. So Heather, thank yeah. you for coming on the show and and being willing to to share your experience, strength, and hope with with us. And all we do, girlfriend, is we just tell what it was like, what happened, and what we're like now, um, just to reach that um, to reach that person that was us before we found recovery. You know, um, it's, I, I just, I can, I'm so, and I, I, I'm going to speak for you too. Okay. Uh, we are so blessed that we can retro, like right back to those feelings of feeling the uselessness and self-pity and just, just gross. You know, we can go back there in a second. So we, you know, I, I say often I've become so familiar with my darkness that I'm willing to come in there and help you with yours you know, help you find your, your way. Um, so anyway, that's what we do on the show. So I'm so grateful that you, that you took the time to, to come and talk to us. So I, I just, girl, I want to hear all there is about, about Heather. Tell me all the things. Well, thank you, Christine. It's a, it's an honor to be on here. Um, the most, the most thing that I really want to do now that, um, I'm a recovering alcoholic is share my story. Uh, pull anyone out of the dark that's been there. I was in a dark, evil place, and it is no place to be at all. Mm-hmm. Um, with introductions, hi, my name is Heather. I am a recovering alcoholic. I'm very proud hi, to be Heather. a recovering alcoholic. Hi. Um, I, um, so I went through childhood trauma, so I don't want to go back to where I was. 
um, I am finally discovering who Heather was meant to be. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Pro- <laughs> yeah. Profound. That is profound. Yeah. yeah. Profound. Yeah. And at almost 60, I'll tell you what, I'm going to live a long life because I've got a life to live now. <laughs> Amen, sister. Amen, sister. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, I, you know, my, my faith too, you know, I'll be 12 in, in March and, and my faith is only 12 years old. I mean, I just, you know, in my higher power and I, I heard a story in the big, big book. Sorry, I have to just mention this. Uh, and I can't, I can't, I'm still learning, right? I'm, I'm doing good to learn the big book, and not let alone the bigger book. Um, but, but there was that one person who, who, um, who was about to die, and he went to God and said, um, I, I'm not done. Please give me 15 more years. Just give me, I, let me, I still have so much to do. So that made me think of that story when you said that. It's like, okay, God, now I can, I can do some good stuff. You know, just keep me healthy, keep me going. And girl, I feel that to my bones yeah. when you said that. Yeah. Amen. Amen to that. Mm-mm. So um, genetics, environment, and uh, my dad was in Vietnam. And that's when my life started. Um, I was born in 1964. I was born into a very dysfunctional family. Um, I was raised um, not the best, but not the worst either. There was no uh, sexual abuse. Um, As far as um, physical abuse, my dad was in the Marines. He did beat me with a belt a lot. You know, it was a back then, and that was what you did. You're in trouble. You got spanked. So, um, the environment I was raised in, um, Vietnam really affected my dad. I never really knew who my dad truly was. Um, and he drank when he got out of, well, I'm sure he drank while he was in the Marines too, but to escape, like, all alcoholics do. We use the DOC um, addicts do uh, to escape, to forget where they're at, what they've been through, anything like that, just to numb the pain. That's what my dad did. Um, Unbeknownst to me, I didn't know he was an alcoholic until he abandoned us when I was a sophomore in high school. So going back to the childhood days, I do have an older biological sister. She um, is my evil sister is what I call her. I have forgiven her from the past, but I will never allow her in my life ever again. Um, Even as a young child, she would do things to me. um, I would allow them because I didn't have any parental guidance. I just figured that's what you do. Um, There were instances you lived in. Hills and at that time, where we had friends that would come from Pennsylvania. And one night, um, Bill, the dad, came along with Robin, and Robin was aged, and Robin and I were good friends. And, you know, we always loved getting together, of course, you know, kids always do. My older sister said to me, Hey, they're getting ready to leave. Why don't you go with them? I'll just let dad know that, you know, hey, you're going to go with them. So, so I snuck in the back of the van. They covered me up with the rug. And, you know, I believe my sister. Of course, you're going to trust your older sister. You should. I mean, it's your sibling, right? Mm-hmm. Shouldn't we? Mm-hmm. So 
you know, I'm in the back of the van, laying down, covered up with the rug, going over bumps, and I'm feeling us going on the highway, and all of a sudden, I feel the van pull over. I was probably eight at the time, seven or eight, and my dad opened the back of the van, pulled me out. This is on the freeway. Pulled my pants down and beat me with the belt. He said, don't you ever pull this stunt again. I said, but dad, Sean told me to. Sean told me to get in the back of the van. Don't tell me that. Um, in all my life, it's always been those situations. Um, once, I mean, every every so often she would do this to me um, from a baby on up to adulthood. Yes, adulthood. So she would... Um, she would create these circumstances where she said that she would cover me um, and she wouldn't and I would get in trouble. Um, and again, the belt would come out and she wouldn't, she wouldn't save grace for me and say that she, it was her idea. So she always, um, I, I, I'm going to say she didn't like me and she always wanted the attention on her and the attention was always on her. Um, whether it be shopping, she would get everything, whether it would be um, the horses that we had, she would always have the better horse, she would always have this shot, you know, she came first with everything. And I was always the one in the back, I always felt like I never got noticed, I never got loved. Um, guidance, I didn't know right from wrong, I had to learn that on my own. And trust me, it was a lot of wrong. I a lot of wrong um, because of that. So growing up, I just always felt that need that I wanted to be loved. Um, I wanted somebody to love me. That's all I ever wanted in my life. Um, so as the result of that, um, I found that drinking, people liked, liked when people drink, you know, as kids, as teenagers, as adults, that's just what you do. You drink. And at first, I'm guessing I probably was fun, you know, in my younger years when I drank. Um, as I got older, it was ugly. It was ugly, especially when I hit when I hit the whiskey. I was a mean bitch. Oh my gosh, watch out! And that is just not me. So, <clears throat> my dad passed away um, in January of 2012. He got full honors. He was in the Marines. Um, my sister told me that, yeah, I'll call you and you can help me make arrangements. She kept it in secret. Um, I finally found out when the service was at the National Cemetery in Augusta, Michigan, um, through one of my distant relatives. Oh, well, you know, that's nice. So my daughter went with me. My daughter was probably 14 or 15 at the time. And we pull up to the little pavilion where they're doing doing the service and so they could do the 21 gun salute. And I'm watching, I'm watching the Marines, the guards walk up the sidewalk, usher down my nephews, my sister's boys, walk up the sidewalk, usher my sister and her husband down to sit, walk up the sidewalk. And they grabbed my mom and they ushered her. Now, mind you, my mom and dad had been divorced for years. So I told my daughter, Michaela, hurry up. We got to get up there. We went up there where everyone was being grabbed for to be ushered down. Nobody came back for us. Not one of those guards came back to usher. 
my dad's, one of my dad's daughters, me. And so I looked at my daughter. I said, come on, we're going to go take that front row. We went and we sat in that front row. And when the service was done, we left. Um, I have never looked back on my sister or my mom. Um, I was just beside myself that my mom would allow that kind of behavior. Um, after my dad died, um, my sister, um, oh, I had found out that my sister had taken my dad to court. He, um, he had uh, Parkinson's, result of Vietnam. He had Alzheimer's um, as a result from Parkinson's and I'm, I'm sure his lifestyle. Um, so he did get the, um, the payout for Agent Orange and he put that $200,000 in a trust fund for his daughters to be split up equally upon his death. Before my dad died, um, my, my Sean took him in front of the judge um, so that she could be the beneficiary and get all the money, and she did. I spent all of my savings taking her to court to stop it, um, and it didn't work. So she has the money that was meant for all four of his daughters. He does. I do have two half-sisters. Um, that's after he left us, um, and she has not felt one bit of remorse. So all of these things that my sister would do to me, um, you know, of course, I found the bottle. I found the bottle every time. Um, being that I just want to do because when, when a daughter does something like that, you would, the mom would say, you know, whoa, put the brakes on. What, what, what are you doing? That's not right. My mom never did. She never did. Um, my mom was all about the money. Um, all she cared about was um, the prestige that money came. And since Sean was going to get quite a bit of money, you know, she had to support that. So with that and not feeling loved, I also went into a lot of relationships that were wrong. And I went into them because I wanted to be loved. And I thought that when these men were treating me was okay because they want me here. They must love me. I had no idea. No idea how it was supposed to feel, what it was supposed to be. My mom and dad would bicker all the time. So any type of verbal, mental, physical abuse was okay with me because that was the norm growing up. That would lead me to drink in the relationship. Um, I would do things um, with these men that they would ask me to do. I wouldn't want to do it, but I was afraid of losing them because that's what trauma does. Trauma makes you say that things are okay because you don't want to lose a person. You don't want to lose that feeling of being wanted. Um, so I would agree to a lot of stuff that... Um, I wish I never would have, but it happened, and um, yeah. So I drink a lot. Um, I came to the point where I realized, you know what? Once, once that wine or that liquor hits my lips, damn, that is good shit. I couldn't stop drinking. I could not stop drinking. I don't care how drunk I was. I just wanted more. I wanted more. So I uh, ended up marrying this man in 2020. 
come to find out, narcissist. And the day after we got married, he did a total turn, completely changed. Um, I went through a hell of a lot of emotional abuse, a hell of a lot of mental, and a hell of a lot of verbal abuse. Um, through the years, my adult son, my adult daughter, with my grandchildren, um, they have written me out of their life. So I was in a deep depression, which also caused me to drink. Um, my first pregnancy, 1985, I found out the week that of uh, my due date that Brandon had died inside of me. So my first pregnancy at 21, I knew I had to deliver a stillborn. Um, so I got a lot of depression from that, that I had never gotten over my husband at the time. I would be laying in bed and crying over this baby that I never got to know. And he would tell me, shut up. You have nothing to cry about. And so with that, with my kids not wanting to have me in their life, um, my husband from 2020, we were um, arguing one day, one evening in the living room. And he looked at me and he said, no wonder your kids don't want anything to do with you. And Christine, that threw me even deeper, even deeper into depression, anxiety, um, my trauma. Wow. Talk about a trigger. That was a huge trigger. So from that moment on, and it was about six months into our marriage, we were together after we were married for about three years. Um, I would do what's called nightstand drinking. <laughs> I'd do my job at work. I'd leave work and I could choose between this liquor store, that liquor store, this liquor store. You know, you, you pick the liquor stores. You pick, I went to that one already yesterday. I can't go there again. So no, I drank. Right. So I choose another one, right? I know. <laughs> That's crazy. Oh, it's, it's so funny to look at it now. It's like, who does that? Me. <laughs> Me. Oh my gosh. So, yeah. So I would get enough to drink on the way home while I was driving, get buzzed enough to where I kind of like at ease going into the house, knowing there was going to be some form of abuse. Um, I would do what I needed to do to get ready for bed. Um, most of the nights I wouldn't even eat and I would hide my liquor in my nightstand. I would be in the bed because I did not want to be at the house. I did not want to be around them. Um, I would either be reading a book, which he would criticize me for all the time. Um, he, um, and then I would drink and it got to the point where I was drinking, I black, I would black out. And I remember thinking, oh my God, I must've done that waking up the next morning and looking at something going, I must've done that funny. I don't remember doing that. And it's like, okay, Heather, you're blacking out. I even Googled it. What the hell is blackout mean? So I would drink enough to get drunk, blackout, pass out. I'd wake up the next morning. I'd have to have a little bit, you know, hair of the dog, make you feel better. Start it all over again. So it got to be probably a year 
of that constant cycle, constant cycle. Um, and then I, I would even reach out to my, um, I'm going to call them, they were my good friends. And I'd say, you know, hey, I think I'm an alcoholic. And you know what they would say to me? Uh, I don't think you are. I don't think you are. And I would explain to them, you know, hey, this is what I'm doing. Oh, no, you're not an alcoholic. That was me reaching out for help. And I didn't know what to do. So it got to the point where I hated where I lived. I hated my life. Um, there were even times during this period, um, uh, even before 2020, where I never wanted to commit suicide because I'm probably the world's biggest chicken shit. I'm not going to shoot myself. I'm too afraid to. But I didn't know why I was living. I didn't know why I was even alive. I didn't have my kids. I didn't have my grandkids. Any man that I had ever been with treated me like shit. I, growing up, I never had guidance. My parents never hugged me. They never told me they loved me. I was always pushed aside. And something inside of me, and I, honestly, I don't know what it was because if I, I kept telling myself, you know, if I drink so much tonight and I die, good, then it's over with. I don't have to deal with it anymore. I honestly didn't care if I died. I honestly didn't care if I died. But something inside of me told me, Heather, you love people. You love being around people. You love life. You love living. And, and I thought to myself, well, self, yeah, I do. And I love to laugh. <laughs> I love people. And for some reason, I do, in the back of my mind, in the back of my heart, I want to live. So I started researching some uh, recovery places. Um, I'm more of a, like a holistic person. Um, and I found a place close to home. It's actually, it was, it's actually right around the corner from growing up as a teenager. And so I called them and I said, um, I think I'm an alcoholic and I know I'm in depression. I'm taking medication for it. I think I want to come. And so they asked me a lot of questions and I answered them and they said, yes, we only deal with co-occurring um, diseases and you have alcoholism and depression. So you do qualify. And I wanted to get my affairs in order. So I said, okay, I set it up for two weeks after that phone call where I would go in. Um, and it was the best decision I have ever made in my life. Um, so while I was in uh, the recovery facility, Skywood, uh, Skywood Recovery in Augusta, um, I learned that I did have childhood trauma. I didn't know that all those years of drinking. I had no clue. Um, I realized that um, the, the trauma, the depression, I felt over losing my baby. Um, I've never shared this publicly with anyone until I was in recovery. We had a comedian come and talk and a very well-known comedian, and he shared his story of using and being an addict. And he asked this question while I was talking to the women. I raised my hand, and I told him my story about, you know, 21, not knowing how to love, having this baby, 
I don't know how to love this baby. And then I find out it died inside of me. And I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to handle it. And that really touched him. And he talked to me. And I felt better. And then the next morning, he found me at breakfast. And he said, hey, how'd you sleep last night? And I said, you know, I slept pretty good. But I want to tell you, I want to tell you my story. Why? I am so still disturbed having to deliver a stillborn. I said, I was 21. I didn't know what love was. I had no idea how to love anything at all. After I delivered Brandon, the nurses asked me, do you want to hold on to him? And I said, no. I was afraid to, and I had regretted that ever since. And I shared that with Mark, the comedian, and he said to me, oh dear, he said, you held that child for nine months. You gave that child the best life it could have while it was on this earth. It was never sick. It didn't know violence. It didn't know all the shit we have to go through. He goes, when you delivered that baby, you gave that baby its wings. And it went right from earth up to heaven. And it's never known anything, anything negative. And let me tell you, that helped me so much. There was so much that I healed from in recovery. I got out while I was in recovery, uh, the facility, there was so much that I learned what love really is, um, what childhood trauma is, how to handle situations, how to create boundaries, coping skills. Um, it was just so phenomenal. Um, I am so grateful I did that for myself and for the people that are in my life now um, because otherwise I'd probably end up shitting on them. And right now I have the most beautiful people in my life and I wouldn't trade that for the world. Um, so while I was in uh, the recovery facility, I saw people from all walks of life. I saw people that were homeless. I saw people that were highly educated therapists, school teachers, lawyers. And I just sat back one day and I thought, you know, we all come from different walks of life. We have that one bond that creates such a strong hold amongst all of us. We're seeking help and we want help. We have that bond. And I thought to myself, by God, if I could share my story with just one person and help just one person, you know what a glory that would be? I don't ever want anyone to be in such a dark, evil place and be so afraid, not, you know, how the hell am I going to get out of it? How am I, how am I going to leave my husband that's a narcissist and publicly shames me in front of strangers, in front of my family? 
How am I going to get out? Because I sure can't afford it. Well, guess what? I'm not buying all this liquor and booze all the time. So yeah, I can afford to get out. I'm out on my own as of August 10th um, of last year. Um, and I'll be damned, I can afford it. <laughs> you know, I'm not buying all that booze and liquor. And I'm, I'm now able to help people that are in the same situation that I was, um, whether it be drugs, alcohol, um, anything like that. And that's truly, that is my purpose-driven sobriety. The God's honest truth. Um, I go every week to Skywood and I facilitate a recovery Dharma meeting now for um, the residents there. On Friday evenings, I do a recovery Dharma Zoom meeting for the alumni, the people that have transitioned out of there. Um, um, and I share my story with a lot of people. Um, isn't that what we want? We want people to be healed, to know what life really can be like. Absolutely. We have, we have to share our story. I mean, we just, you know, we just, ha I don't know. We just have to, you can't, you can't, you know, when you've received the gift of recovery, I think that it's a, on a spiritual subconscious level that you realize you can't hold on to that if you don't give it away, you know, um, you know, and, and I love what you said about you go back in and, 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 and talk to the folks in, you know, it's, it's one of those things that when I can pause and look back on my life of all of the things that have happened, like similar to even similar to what you described in recovery in that light, all of that and my life makes sense. Mm -hmm. yeah. It makes sense. And I can share that with another, another person that is still, so far down in that pit that they can't see the light of day. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, yeah. I, so my intake day was May 11th, 2023. And I have not looked back. I have not looked back and thought I want to drink again. I've looked back and thought I never want to be there again. Um, I have never had any cravings. Um, I am on naltrexone for the cravings. Um, but I am only looking forward. And I'm looking forward so that I can someday be with my kids and my grandkids again. Um, I look forward to that day. And I do see that happening. Um, I look forward to helping other people. Um, I just feel that is my purpose right now is to reach out to other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do, I do attend a couple um, meetings for myself. Um, so I am giving myself self care, self love still. Um, so it's that equal balance, helping others, but also helping myself. Um, so I, I think that's really important because we can lose sight. We can be so 
bent up on, I've got to help others, I've got to help others, but we first and foremost have to help ourselves or we're not going to well, be for those other people. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's yeah. the analogy that I, I use a lot with like, like with sponsees and stuff. It's mm -hmm. like, okay, when you, when you're on an airplane, right. Yeah. And, and, and the, 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 um, flight attendants, I was trying to think what they call these days. The flight <laughs> attendants are giving the instructions of when the oxygen, if, and when an oxygen mask falls down from the ceiling, what are you supposed to do first? You first. Yeah. You put it on yourself first. Because if you're with a child and you haven't taken care of yourself first, you, you're not capable of taking care of others if you haven't taken care of yourself first. And I, I wholeheartedly hear you. You know, I have um, I'd gotten into this podcast, and I'm very active in the recovery community, and I still get to go to two AA meetings a week um, because I, that's where I belong. You know, for the first time in my life, 12 years ago, I walked into a place where I actually, I wasn't, I wasn't there to fit in. I belonged. Yes. And that's a yes. night and day difference. Night oh. and day difference. You know, yes. when, when you, when you, it's just, it's, it's just such a beautiful thing. So I love that you're at least aware of that. And, yes. and, and you get to do that for the rest of your life. Yeah. Yeah. My long you know, life. My long life. Yes. Amen, sister. Yeah, there there is a there is a solution. There is a solution and you, you get to keep that. Now, you know, you stop taking the air quote medicine, which is, you know, working a program and being accountable for yourself and helping others. You stop doing that, the disease comes back. I'm sorry, but one hundred percent of the time when someone has relapsed, at least in the 12 years that I've been sober, and I've been able to say, what happened? They quit doing the deal. They quit. They quit doing something, yes. and then the disease comes back, and they're, everybody's shocked. They, they, and it's like, no, no, it's very simple. It's yeah. very simple. Yeah. Go back to doing what, what got you sober to begin with, yeah. right? Yes. Go back to go back to ba back to basics is, mm -hmm. is what that's how I sponsor women is the Wally P book back to basics. It's like, you know, let's let's stop trying to fluff the the situation there. You know, yeah. just keep it simple. Stupid, I think, is one of our sayings, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. because I personally I can try to complicate things. Mm -hmm. You know, I try to decorate. I try to, you know, uh, uh, make it softer, make it, you know, and it's like, n no, no, what, you know, yeah, anyway, I think that people are dying from that. How do you start your day every morning? I start my day by hitting snooze. Oh. <laughs> uh, I get up, I have my cup of coffee. I've got to have my coffee first thing. And then I do a meditation, a morning meditation. Um, just to quiet myself a little bit, to get my focus going for the day. Um, I've got a darling little kitty, and we play together for a little bit because, you know, fever during the day, I feel bad. Um, I do read from a scroll, um, like either a recovery Dharma book, or I have some Thich Nhat Hanh books. Um, the one I'm reading right now is How to Walk. Um, I'm also reading, uh, no mud, no Lotus. And, um, I'll read some passages in those. 
I have two girlfriends that are sober now. They are recovering and we share quotes in the morning because all of us read in the morning. Um, we'll share quotes with one another. Um, we will tell each other, you know, hey, I'm proud of you. I know that right now you're going through this troubling time in your life. And I want you to know that I'm proud of you for staying sober. I'm proud of you for sticking through it. And girlfriend, I am here from you for you, whatever you need. Um, and then I get ready for work and I come to work. That's how I start my day. Okay. Yeah. How's, how's the relationship with your kids? So I am texting with my son. Um, he has high anxiety and we've tried to meet a couple times and he'll text me and he'll say, mom, I can't do it right now. My anxiety is too high. So that's why I say, I know that someday it is going to happen that, that, that relationship is going to be bonded again. Um, but you know, it's going to take time. It's going to sure. take time and I'm willing to take that time. Um, I did reach out to him and I told him that I do want to make amends with him. Um, to do it right now, I think it would cause him more harm and we're not supposed to do that if it's going to cause anyone harm. So, yeah, so I'm very, very, um, careful on that. Um, my daughter, we still do not have a connection. So someday we will. Well, you know what, and, and thank you for being vulnerable and, and sharing that with me because I, I have five adult children, right? Um, and not all, you know, I have, I have a beautiful relationship with my daughter who basically went through recovery with me. She's not one of us, but she's, she, man, she lives and breathes the 12 steps. There is occasion where she'll actually program me, you know, and, and go, mom, you know, do you have control over that? And I'm like, shh you're not my sponsor. Um, but in, in my boys, I have, I have a healthy, decent relationship with them. Um, they're married with, you know, and so, you know, certain things haven't gone the way that I wanted them to, but one thing, and I'll tell you, I just, I love that. I never get it. You know, I, I'm not going to get a diploma from Alcoholics Anonymous, right? Um, I, I don't, I don't get a letter of achievement. It, I, I'm, I am forever learning. And, yeah. and the latest thing that I'm yeah. learning is to hold space. Mm -hmm. You know, um, the relationship didn't get where it is overnight and it's not going to get better overnight. Mm -hmm. And what I need to do is I need to give the grace that I need to receive. Exactly. You know, I need to, I need to hold space for them to, to you know, because he, here's the deal. This life is not a team sport. I am not, you know, I hope to see them in heaven someday, but I, I, I'm not going to heaven with my children. I'm not going to heaven with my husband. Mm -hmm. This is an individual race, this, this life, you know, and I was on my path, which right now I can look back. And honestly, I think my kids would say the same thing. So this, I'm saying this to, to you basically to give you the hope that, you know, mm -hmm. my kids, if, if they were lined up, would say that they would not take a day of it back because I wouldn't be the person that I am today had I not. They are aware of that. Mm -hmm. It doesn't change the hurts and the hangups, you know. Um, but I, I, I know that the, uh, just as I was on my path, they're on theirs, you know, and I have to allow them 
I have to, I have, here's, here's one of the things that my sponsor said, because what I wanted to do is I wanted to go to them on March 14th, 2012 and go, I'm sober. (laughs) We can have a relationship now. Look, it's me. I'm here. Yay. You know, and that's what I wanted to do. Um, but my, my sponsor was like, "Mm, yeah, we're we're not going to do that. Um, because that's, that's, that's almost offensive in that there is a history that, you know, so that's why in, in, I practice AA, that's why there are steps and that's why they're numbered, right? So we're going to do this for right now and Mm -hmm. we're just going to hold space and we're going to stay out of God's way. And that hit me, Heather, like a ton of bricks. It's like had my husband was, and because he, he's he he his episode I think was number three. So if you get a chance, go back and listen. Um, but he was the great enabler. I mean, he almost helped me kill myself. There's no two ways about that, and he has said as much. Um, but he, there was very often times where he got in God's way. You know, I know that everything happened exactly the way it was supposed to, but he rescued me from consequences. He, you know, and so I've got to, my kids, this is part of their path too, because God's not surprised by today. God is, has already, has already knows what's happening today. And he knows what's going to happen in the future for these kids. I just need to trust and give them back to him and just go, I'm here. I'm going to keep putting that oxygen mask on myself, right? Mm -hmm. So that I can be of service when they're ready. I'm yeah. going to hold space for when they're ready. Mm-hmm. Then I can, I can hopefully be of maximum use and service to them. You know, but in the meantime, I'm going to help the ones I can. I'm yeah. namely myself, you know, um, take care of the ones I can and, and give the rest to God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that's, that's what you, that's what you, you just, for your sanity, that's what you have to do, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and when you're not having to carry that around, you're able to put that guilt down. Mm-hmm. It's it's freeing. It is. It's very very freeing. Um, I, you know, they say that you can't feel the goodness unless you have the pain. And honestly, um, I know growing up. Oh, it sucked. I mean, I can still feel deep inside of me as a kid wanting just to be loved, wanting to be held, wanting to be told by my parents, I love you and just hug me and never let me go. But, you know, I wouldn't trade what I went through because the goodness that I feel now, it's amazing. It is it's just amazing. And I can also use that to help somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, yeah, it's just, it, it, you know, you say you, you hold that space and that's something that I'm, I'm learning about right now and about just holding the space, being patient, you know, let the gods do their work. And when the time is right, it will happen. But if I try and push it, what's going to happen? They're going to back off. They're going to back off. And so, you know what? It's open. It's, it's right here. It's right here for them. And in the meantime, I'm going to continue making myself a better person, educating myself on life, on, on how to love. 
you know, uh, that, that is, I think, one of life's greatest mysteries is, is how to love, how to love. And, um, yeah. Well, yeah, we, we just, and it's, it's cliched, but it's true. You know, our tests, our tests become our testimony, Yeah, you know, and, 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 and not wasting those hurts, you know, and sharing them for the benefit of others, you know, putting our, putting our pride Mm -hmm. and our shame and our, um, regrets and resentments aside properly, right. You can't just just on your own, putting them aside properly and being able to share, um, without reservation, just, and, 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 you know, and, and that's planting seeds, what you're doing right now, you know, being here, you're just, you're planting seed for another, another soul to possibly, you know, get into recovery. We have, all we can do is plant and water. We yes. got to leave the growing to yes. God. Right. Yeah. I mean, we yeah. just, you know, I, on that real quick, I'm going to tell off on myself. About four years ago, Rick and I went to um, South Carolina, where I was born. Uh, I live in Waco, Texas. And, and I had found a seed, and I can't remember what, what tree or plant it, the seed was for. I, I'll just be honest. But mm-hmm. I, I wrapped it up in a wet paper towel, put it in a Ziploc, and I carried it all the way back home, you know, traveled all the way back home with it. And I planted it in a, I, I looked it up first. I had to put it in the refrigerator for like seven days or something and then take it out and put it into this and then, and then plant it. And then it was going to grow. So fast forward about, about a month and a half or so. And I mean, cause I would go out there once a week and dribble water in it, you know, and do all the things I found myself, Heather, I literally dug it up to see if it was growing. <laughs> Yeah, I did. Oh, it work. <laughs> it was not. It was not growing, and had it been growing, I'd have killed it. Yeah, you know. But that. But th- that's me. That, and I'm. It just. And still, you know, girlfriend, buckle in, buckle in, because the greatest part about recovery is you never get it. You never just get it. You're always yeah. learning. You're always yeah. growing. You're always yeah. moving. Yes. And, and I'm still that way. I still want to go dig up that, that seed I planted with that person and go, what'd you learn? What'd you, how you do, you know? And it's like, God's like, would you knock it off? Stop it. (laughs) You plant the seed, then walk away, Uh you know? And I just, I don't do, I, 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 I'm, I'm better than I was, but I'm, yeah, I still want to dig it up and see if it's growing. Yeah. You know, it's like when you give a gift to somebody, it's theirs, what they do Mm -hmm. with it. If they don't like it, they can throw it away. It's, it becomes theirs. If they, yeah, that gift is Mm -hmm. theirs. It's up to Mm -hmm. them to do with it what they want. Yeah. Right. That's a very good analogy. Yeah. Very good analogy. Well, I'm so, I'm so grateful that you, um, that you agreed to come on and talk to me. You know, we just, girl, we just have to keep marching and just keep, keep you know doing the deal and and sharing the just the hope that's the one that's the one thing that was completely void in my life was hope yeah I had no hope for anything not for you not for me not for the world the hell you know world was going to hell in a handbasket and you know what was the use and and I I'm complete polar opposite now joy. Yeah. I'm a joy dealer. You know, I just, I want 
people to see that there is light. You just have to keep going towards it. And it's not a freight train that's going to run you over. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. Um, it's a good thing. It is. It is. I'm very grateful for everything that I went through. Um, it's making me into a better person. Um, and for that, I'm very grateful for, um, I love learning. I, oh my gosh, I love the meetings so much. Um, I try not to miss any of the meetings because, oh my gosh, I always learn something and you always feel like, I don't know if you feel this way, but sometimes it's just like, oh my gosh, I just had an epiphany. Mm -hmm. Or or I'm, I'm even taller. I think when I come out of there. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, you know, I'm I'm not I'm not keeping my head. I'm I'm actually yeah. feeling taller and stronger. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I I really appreciate you um, allowing me to come on today to share my story. Um, and and knowing some of your story, wow, good job, girl. It's been a it's been a uh, it's been a journey. Yeah. It's been a journey. Yeah. And you just, man, r- journal, write, write everything down, you know, yeah. that that's happening, you know, with you being so new into recovery, just take it, take it all in. And just the, the nuggets that you get, yeah. you yeah. know, that just, I mean, it's, it's such a beautiful life. And, you know, we can sit here and go, you know, I wished I'd have, you know, I wish I'd have gotten into recovery when I was in my thirties or no, 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 no. 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 No, it no. happened exactly when it was supposed to, to be of maximum benefit to others. Yeah. Yes. You know, and um, we just have to keep on doing the deal. Yeah, we do. We do. Awesome. Thank yeah. you for, for being on the show, sweetheart. Stay in touch. Thank you. I will. Thank you so much. Have a beautiful All right. You as well. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Driven Sobriety Podcast. Thanks for listening to Purpose Driven Sobriety. Keep coming back. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.